Uh, okay. Um, okay, I keep delaying us. Are we ready to sorry, start? Sorry, me too. No, yeah, I keep, uh, yeah. It's, just, it's nice to see you guys. It's nice to see you, <laughs> nice to talk. Yeah. It's yeah. nice, it to, nice talk. to talk. Yeah. Out of paper, out of stock. There's friendly faces around the block. Break loose from the chains that are causing you pain. Call Michael and Stanley, Jim Dwight Creed. Call Andy and Kelly. If your business paper needs or Dunder Mip, then the people versus paper people. Dunder Mip, then the people versus paper people. Dunder Hello and welcome to the Michael Scott Podcast Company, a show for fans of The Office by fans of The Office. I'm your host and philanderer, Sean Roney. And I'm Edwin James, Vance Refrigeration. And with us, as always, our producer in the warehouse, Mr. Alex Ward. Two queens on casino night. I am going to drop a deuce on everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Is there another, is there another uh, drop? Smart. <laughs> Old friends. <Okay>. No. <laughs> that was the same one I got you with last episode, too. Gosh, I just always use it. that one. Uh, well, every week uh, we get together and talk about our favorite show, NBC's The Office. Old friends, new lovers, and the disabled. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. To Casino Night, our episode on Casino Night season two finale. Woo. What an episode, guys! This is a big one. We got two love triangles, we got multiple people going all in on and off the poker team, right? Nice, yeah. right? Wow, you like that? I like but that, Sean. Before we can get into all of that, first, Cry Man Squat FNC double time. Um, we opened today with some sad news. Last week, we said goodbye to Ranji Chowdhury, the actor who played the beloved Vikram. Best salesman Michael Scott ever met. Um, Ranji passed away last week on Wednesday when we dropped our show last week, 64 years old, no cause of death. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think everyone was, uh, saddened, uh, by this news. Um, always sad to see, uh, a great character from the office pass away. Someone who's not going to join us here for the reunion that we know is coming. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Vic you know, Vikram is an important character in the show. I mean, not to like, I think, uh, he provided the voice of reason at a time where Michael desperately needed one, uh, a voice of sanity during the Michael Scott paper company arc, um, before he smartly bailed on the whole thing. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. tragic to hear of his passing. Uh, he provided yes. he provided nutrition to Michael at the call center. <laughs> That's right. Yes, they shared food. Yeah, confidence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> food for the wise man, but liquor for the fool. If you just focus on making your calls, <laughs> rolls the window up on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, but Patrice O'Neill, who played, uh, who played, what well, uh, gosh, now I Sea can't. Monster. Lonnie. Sea, Lonnie, thank you. Um, <laughs> Hugh Dane, who played Hank. Yeah. Um, the security yeah, guard. There's a couple other folks who we've lost. So, um, so uh, uh, rest in peace, Roger right, Chowdhury. We miss you, man. Um, one more little bit of news. I'm going to kick it to Edwin. Yeah. So, uh, for some good news, I think uh, the last <laughs> few weeks, we have seen John Krasinski of uh, Office fame uh, roll out his some good news 
uh, YouTube broadcast, um, which highlights positivity and things going on in the world um, that are positive that we can all kind of enjoy and get behind uh, during these uncertain times, which is a phrase that we hear all the time. In these uncertain times. Here to help us um, talk. Here to help us talk about that. Emily Blood, come on in. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yes, and a handful of people have sent this to us. I think we just want to mention it because uh, it's something that we see going on, and it's great to see that positivity. Um, I've watched the first two uh, in terms of office-related content. He does have a nice conversation with Steve and Nancy Carell uh, in the first episode, and mm-hmm. um, so there's a little bit of office content there. They get to talk about that, uh, which is really nice. So it'd be worth checking out. Um, the remainder of the SGN broadcasts that I've seen have been just on little stories of positivity. There's a really nice Hamilton reunion. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all, uh, it's, it's great. And I think people should check it out. It really is. Oh, great. And I'll yeah. tell you, you know, moms love Jim. Moms love good news. And my mom loves some good news. <laughs> so, yeah. She has been sending it. Oh, good. All right. Know, that's so uh, and they actually featured a video of a kid. It was actually in, um, kid like running on the street but it was right out it was in my neighborhood like right near where i grew up oh really yeah some, oh, wow. some video it, so that's over cool in, uh, raleigh hills yes let's let's give them that exact <laughs> location how about that we'll bleep that out yeah do you have an address yeah yeah no we'll give i'll give you raleigh hills yeah yeah that's where i grew up <laughs> great glad Anyways. that's out there now Anyways, moving on to today's episode, Casino Night, season two, finale, episode 22, aired May 11th, 2006, directed by Ken Quapis, written by Steve Carell. Uh, Steve Carell um, did not, I just want to bring this up really quick because it's... it's, Go ahead, man. Please. Um, Steve Carell only wrote two episodes of The Office, Casino Night and Survivor Man, two fabulous Michael Scott episodes. Um, Did they say he wrote Survivor Man because he just was prob- imp- improvising out in the forest for a while with a the camera? They're like, let's give, give him the writer credit. Give yeah. him the writer credit, man. He did that. All- that could, I, I guess that could be. I don't know. But um, that's pretty funny. Um, I mean, he does not have a big writing career, at least before this point, when they give him, when they give him Casino Night to write. When uh, Greg Daniels gives me And I hope right. to someday live in a world where a person could tell a hilarious hate joke. <laughs> That's <one of> my <laughs> dreams. Um, do you know, like trivia, trivia for you? Whoa. A little early, I know. Whoa, let me get the drop, no. Can what? you guess two, his, his two big writing credits before this one? The Dana Carvey Show. Yes, Ev- that's one. Ev- Evan Almighty. <laughs> that's, uh, no, no, that's he that didn't one. write that. <laughs> that one. Uh, did he get writing credits for The Daily Show? Uh, no, and I'll give you one more guess. Um, he wrote... Anchorman? No, he didn't help write Anchorman, did he? No. Okay, no way. He helped write 40-Year-Old Virgin with Judd uh, Apatow. It's, oh. it's just him, he, and, he and Judd Apatow are the two writing credits on that film. Um, but anyways, I wanted to point that out. I think it's such a fantastic episode and, and that it's written by Steve Carell is just, just I don't know. It's I mean, yeah, they gave him the keys for an extremely important episode. I mean, this is such a, uh, you've made the point before, Edwin, this is, this is the biggest cliffhanger we ever get on this TV show. You know, yeah. it's, I think it's one of the biggest emotional moments besides Michael leaving the finale that we, that we get, I think top, it, top three. 
in reviewing this episode, I think it's one of the more important uh, episodes in the whole show. Obviously, we do get the significant cliffhanger, but I think it also sets up Michael and Love and where uh, what we see from Jan throughout the rest of the show. I think the uh, the scene where Michael and the rest of the ensemble are sitting in, I guess, the bullpen, or the main room of the office, and talking about where the money's going to go is a... Uh, an example of future scenes where they have that kind of discussion where it pops around to every character. The but killing yes, think, field. The killing field. <laughs> that's a, supposedly that's what the writers call it when when you've got that happening and it's just joke after joke in the bullpen. Oh, interesting. They call, I didn't it, know they that. call it the killing field. Ah. That's cool. Yeah, um, everyone's lobbying in like one-liners or little ideas yeah, or yeah. like yeah, and then they talk yeah what charities they'd give. It's the a perfect to, yeah. example of that. Afghanis to nannies with AIDS. Yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> I, uh, but yes, I think uh, to, to circle back on Jim and Pam, I think this is the defining arc of The Office and it takes place over the first season and a half of a nine season show. And uh, this moment has such real stakes and such emotional weight for the characters. And I think it's played out so well as this culmination of a will they want they, right? I think mm -hmm. they couldn't have strung this out for multiple seasons. Um, I mean, obviously, the Jim and Pam relationship does take multiple seasons to play out. Um, yeah. But in this moment, we really get to see Jim put himself out there for Pam. In a way that we've seen Jim uh, very flippant at work, not trying, not willing to put any effort in. And so uh, it means a lot for him to put himself on the line in this moment. Totally. And uh, Ryan and I were just talking earlier today about how it was like, when we were watching this season, it was like getting to a point at the end of season two where you're just like is this ever gonna happen like how long how long are they gonna drag this on for and then it was just like oh, oh my god they did it like like oh my god like he kissed her she said no like whoa mm -hmm. um yeah it, it was a it was it was definitely shocking uh, uh seeing it at the time and and uh, I'm sure for new viewers today, it still is. It's and, oh, it yeah. feels like a climax. Like it does feel like a story climax. You know, when you when you draw out a story structure and the you know right when you're cresting the top right before the the roller coaster goes down. Like this felt like that. And even rewatching it, I I, I can't rewatch that whole sequence without still feeling emotional. I still get a little choked up, and I still get a little sad and a little introspective it's, about it. It's because it's just so well done. Like, so you just, uh, you totally understand where Pam is at and how she doesn't really see it coming. And they're both it, right. They're both wrong. And it's just complicated feelings. And, and but it's so it, like, simple. Yeah. And that there's kind of like, it's kind of a two, it's kind of a, a double shot too. Of yeah. like it happens in the parking lot and then it's not quite satisfying and then it happens again upstairs mm -hmm. and and then there's the kiss and it's and then it's like no and it's just oh my god <laughs> yeah i mean at least like at least the first time but still rewatching it you you still feel that that emotion it's well and i think too the way that they cut away at the end and go right to the credits they don't give you anything to go off of yeah and then i think directly before this we see jim and pam gambling at the same table and Pam does that, that oh look God, with her yeah. line where she looks away and Jim says, oh, yeah, right. So he, he calls her and he gets it wrong. I love that you brought that up because it's one of two moments in this episode where the two are like silently communicating. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, 
like so they they're kind of like she's doing that thing where she tilts her head and stuff like that mm -hmm. and and in that moment but in the beginning of the episode when um dwight and <laughs> and jim are talking about like telepathy and uh pam help like moves the coat rack for him with the umbrella boy and they, they got, like they really got lucky that dwight asked them to move the coat rack yeah i know right <laughs> I know. but she was quick to come up with that and then like they just look at each other and like he knows and, and anyways it's and and i love that whole bit too where she just like holds up the umbrella like that there's no sound in that entire bit once he starts doing well and it's it's, it's so rules good. it's like rules of three right because we, we we see them clicking they see them really flirting during poker and that's a really good point. I'd never considered that, Edwin, of like Jim calls her bluff in that moment and she wasn't bluffing. Yeah. Which is what happens later. But we, we get them doing the poker. Uh, we get them playing the prank on Jim at the beginning and we get the whole part where they're watching the wedding band tapes. Yep. So we get these three different moments. The whole episode is spent just getting the chemistry between Jim and Pam to this level that's oh, undeniable. And just like, bubbling. look at these, look at how perfect <laughs> these two are. <laughs> and it's and the whole season has been like that. And then this episode hits you one, two, three times, and then it delivers that ending, yeah. final blow. And it's, it's devastating. And then it's exciting. And then it's confusing. And then it's over. And you're, it's Angie Hamilton's name. I, yeah, her name yeah. is seared into my head because you're just like, and then suddenly it says <laughs> Angie <laughs> Hamilton. It's the like, first ah, who is roll. she? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Did you do the job? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I think too, it's, it's interesting to, to follow that, that way that uh, the gambling scene sort of precedes yeah. him putting himself out there and telling him, Pam how he feels, uh, that he gets clapped off by Kevin. It's ladies, Jim Halpern, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's such a great moment. And I love that. There's an element of, as we think about the way that season two ends and season three begins, Jim is gone. So in a way, it, it clears the way for, uh, for Jim to leave. And there's a, there, you know, there's a moment at the beginning of the episode where Jim says, why did I talk to Jan about transferring? It's obvious. I have no future here. So there is, there is such a great like dynamic of gambling, of putting it all on the line of, 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 of risking it all, you know, Jim out, here, Jim out here looking like you're about to risk it all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hey, and if we could just move on to, to another story arc in this episode, Michael Scott putting, putting it all on the line. Woo. Putting Jan and Carol up against each other, uh, double date. Two queens <laughs> on casino night. Yeah, mm -hmm. the two sequence. The sequence where he does the double booking bet between those two phone calls. Very well done. Um, so good because he's like doing really well with Jan too. He's yeah. doing really well with Even both. Like he's <laughs> actually competently talking to women, which he's never able to do. He like there's that part though where he's like, I am the Eva Perone to your Caesar Chavez. And I did have to I had to look that one up. <laughs> Eva Perone was the first lady of Argentina in the 1940s and 50s. Caesar Chavez, an American labor activist in the 1950s through 70s. There is no connection. <laughs> Which but I hey, could have guessed. Sean, thank you for looking up. Uh, some history stuff that's that warms my heart I, I like to figure out some history facts for the office so you know i'm trying to educate uh, yeah. myself like and everyone during these times during these <laughs> unprecedented times <laughs> these uncertain times 
Uh, yeah, I think this the moment. are gonna love this. <laughs> the the interaction uh, between Michael and Jan and Carol. Uh, sets up Michael's love life for the rest of the show. Mm -hmm. I think, to your point, we see Michael being very competent in his in interactions with women, and uh, he's portraying himself to Carol as kind of a normal guy. He's he's uh, he's enjoyed his condo, and he's doing this, hosting this charity event in our warehouse. Carol, <laughs> how's the realty business coming? Is it real good? <laughs> Still me, Michael. Yeah, that bit too. Fantastic, Does it, Dr. Yeah. Levinson. I presume. Jan <laughs> Levinson. I presume. Hey, Jan, Show how's me. it going? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, it, it establishes that Michael can be normal and that he can uh, be a person that somebody would want to be with. It's a yeah. he. Carol is very charmed by him at the casino night and, and Jan does take him up on his offer and she arrives there without having booked a hotel. Mm -hmm. Dwight full court presses her on the hotel. Dude. <laughs> <battling off. laughs> Reminiscent of asking her about her clothing too. Mm -hmm. Dwight's so weird with that stuff. There's or, an uh, Taylor outlet. Yeah, I know I you know like their blouses. <laughs> or there's a there's an element of uh, sorry. of uh, gambling where Kevin is talking about poker and he lists off the different games when Kelly is pressing Donna about where she got her earrings. Mm -hmm. Claire's earrings, earrings, earrings. There's a, <laughs> there's a recurring joke in the office of like being very, very pressing with lists of options. Yep. Um, and that, and that's one. But yeah. That's a good one. It's uh, the fact that the fact that Michael kind of stumbles his way into this, having two dates to this thing. He obviously fancies himself a bit of a ladies man in that moment. And he's like, I got, He's nervous. He's terrified by it. He's totally terrified, but he's like, kind of realizes, oh my God, I'm the kind of guy that has two dates. And at the end, his talking head is like having these two women. He's got his New York girl and his local flavor. I think he, fun, he loves it. He loves it. But he's it so and, scared. He's so scared. Oh yeah. Oh he's yeah. so scared, but Dwight loves it too. That's <laughs> the best part when like Dwight's like, you know, I have to help Michael. He's got two dates tonight. <laughs> we deceive them. So as not to hurt them. And in that way, we honor them. Codename Remax is already yeah. here. No sign of Lan Jebinson. <laughs> That's it. His timing is so good. And then he comes in later, Jan's here. Yeah, yeah with, the, with the double smooch. The double kid. That's how we do it in the paper, so paper, paper biz. biz. Yeah. Um, couple of things like, okay, A, Dwight's wearing his his grandfather's tuxedo that he was buried in mm -hmm. we get a great look from jim and pam when he reveals that real real quick dwight and graves like the, how often do you talk about, <laughs> about your own grave the grave of your family members digging graves he's all about graves man well you know they're <laughs> they're married in their graves you know he, he says the uh, weddings are a bleak affair yeah that's right um I wanted to talk about Michael's competency because I think let's talk about the event of casino night itself. A, I mean, what's the budget for this thing? They got all these neon signs. They've hired a staff of dealers. They've got it catered. I mean, this is a huge thing and I know it's for charity, right? It's and, and, but the way that Michael organizes it of like, okay, the winner's going to get $500 to the charity and they're going to get this mini fridge. I assume the whole Scranton business park, chipped in on this right that's right. sort of what it seems like yeah yeah seems like Vance um, refrigeration right. all those folks in there. we see billy merchant gambling at the table so mm -hmm. they're all there right um, right but michael takes leadership like he takes it as his thing um and including his welcoming speech when he has the uh 
glow the neon, sticks. The glow sticks. Yeah. yeah. And he gives that speech like several rounds into into the table. Like people are like have played a few hands already, and then he gives yeah. that speech. It's a really funny timing. And then he sits <laughs> down, loses all of his money to Toby immediately at that mm-hmm. in that same scene. Um, he says, "Look what you did." <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, we also get that moment. We get the "I hate so much about the things you choose to be" moment in this episode. Uh, the this ultimate. Is the ultimate. And boy, how, isn't it great how much room they give that scene to breathe it takes its time it just lets steve carell stare at toby with contempt it's so good <laughs> toby's delivery of his line is so dry yeah. like i mean do you, you want know, me to keep going it's in our dangerous warehouse yeah, it's right. gambling which is illegal <laughs> it's catered by hooters school night it's a school night. Do, do, school night do you want me to keep going uh anyway yeah another (laughs) wonderful arc that's that's really really established there i mean it's happened before but that scene is just so special and then go oh yeah oh go ahead when toby wins and he takes michael's money he says uh i'm not much of a gambler but it felt really good to take michael's money i think i'm gonna chase this feeling (laughs) so funny i don't think he does yeah (laughs) no no it was supposedly it was a a um suggested story arc for season three that toby might spiral into a gambling problem but they they never went oh (laughs) he gets a writing problem instead right (laughs) the closest he gets after that is when he teaches pam how to punch michael i mean that's that's kind of the same feeling i'm sure he's looking for oh yeah that's one of his coolest moments yeah Yeah. Um, and uh do you want us to all sit indian style in diversity day yeah Yeah. (laughs) those are his most badass moments toby's Uh, most badass moments fun fun is also in the word yeah Yeah. that's right i'm leaving (laughs) uh to bring it back to your point edwin though because we see jan showing up without a place to stay and it's this weird thing where like someone wants to come hook up with michael and then is rejected which is crazy that michael scott would ever he does it almost accidentally he doesn't even Mm -hmm. really mean to um but you're, like you said, it it does set the next couple seasons of his romance up, of sort of casting him into this. Uh, he's sort of in this gravitational pull between all these women, and he can't choose one, and he's just afraid of all of them, and he eventually ends up with Jan, who's terrible. Um, I think the yes, no, ab- absolutely. I think uh, the other thing that it, the other side of that is it sets up Jan as someone who doesn't always make the right decisions and mm-hmm. second guesses herself. Where she sit out there with Jim and she's smoking and she says, uh, you know, I drove two and a half hours to get here and I'm totally underdressed. Why did I do that thing? Why did I do that thing with Michael? Why yeah. With yeah. Michael? Why did I hook up? Why did I hook up with she Michael? asked Jim that and Jim's like, yeah, why did you? Like, why did you? I know he's yeah. not very nice about it. But it, it foreshadows the cocktails episode, the negotiation. <laughs> cocktails, where yeah. she's also smoking a cigarette and going, I date Michael Scott publicly and collapse in on myself like a dying star. Yeah, <laughs> that's, couple, that's what I thought. <laughs> a couple tough moments for Jan. Yeah, yeah. Tough look from a girl. <laughs> tough look from my girl, Jan. <laughs> there is also that moment between Jan and Carol mm-hmm. where they both know that they are after Michael Scott. And like... Um, Carol says something like, oh, well, I'm having a nice time. Like, and it's just like, there's something about the way she says it. It's like, oh, them's fighting words. I, haven't seen them like, I also yeah. think neither of them want to admit to themselves that they're doing that. And they don't want to admit to each other. Yeah. Like, well, I think Carol doesn't clear. know. Carol, yeah, that's, has, that's Carol has been pretty well fooled by this point. She, 
might have thought that Michael's a little odd when she sold him the condo. Mm -hmm. But since then, he's only seen she's only seen him be great with kids and right at the um, during his birthday party. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. So, so at yeah. this point, she's like, I'm, it, I'm, I'm in. And he's got other women trying to get at him. So I must, I, I should hurry. I should lock it down. That two shot of the two of them at the bar having that conversation reminded me of one of my favorite sort of office memes, which is uh, like, I'm not saying Michael Scott has a tight butt. And then it's Carol, Jan, Helene, Holly. Yeah. Yeah. And Ryan with bleached hair. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, Donna's the only one. <laughs> Ryan with bleached hair. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's good. Um, yeah. Donna and the chair model are the only brunettes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Uh, let's let's wrap up. I want to talk a little more about Jim and Pam, and then we could do some some notes on this episode. How does yeah, that sure, sound? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I, we got and mainly this because this is something I want to talk about with you guys because we got a voicemail from Luciano. We're not going to play it, um, but we'll we'll discuss it here. But he asked us, like, how would the show be different if Jim and Pam had got if that season ends and they they were together to start season three? Like, how does that change the show? Do they do do they do a merger? Does it like how 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 does it change? Is it a is the whole show a season shorter? For me, it's just that. That's too fast. It wasn't earned. It's not like you have to see Pam arrive at that decision. And that's what season three is. So I think that you'd always be, if it opened with season three, I'd feel far more uncertain about their relationship. I think that, well, I think there, there are a lot of domino effects that happen with this. Right. Uh, realistically, if we if that were to happen, that Pam says, you know, I feel the same way and reciprocates Jim's feelings, and they do spend season three or begin season three together, I think they would have done a lot of that uh, negotiation and working out, and 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 her splitting up with Roy, a lot of that mm -hmm. that sort of pain and 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 uh, mess to navigate, um, especially with them all working in the same place. I bet that would have happened off screen, and they would have recapped it at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Um, yeah, that we've we've talked about this term and many rests in the middle of things and office season openers often do that. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't see Jim's last day in Scranton, for example. Mm -hmm. We right. just see him in the new in the new branch. Uh, and I think that's what we would see if that were to happen. I think you'd lose the big reveal or there, there, there would be how would the other characters in the office deal with Jim and Pam being together? Would they be open? with their affection in the office. And that would be an interesting question mm -hmm. because they were so open with their friendship in the office, in mm -hmm. the open space. Um, I also wonder, just thinking long-term about the show, how does Andy enter the picture? Right, yeah, that's a good point. I guess, um, I mean, it, it, you, it, yeah, it, it really allows them to, to get out of the office and develop Jim and Pam separately for a bit. I think that that's really important too. It just it just it bolsters your faith in that relationship mm -hmm. and your investment in it. If it was as easy as like all he had to do was say something, um, it'd it, feel it, a little cheap. It gives you it gives you a little taste. I just need a taste of like yeah. what 
there what is there for them like what, what's waiting for them we get to yeah. just get a piece of like oh my god it's beautiful and then they get another season of the tension they get a, which is like the most marketable part about the office especially a show that's still in its first two seasons three seasons you know on network tv like you need to secure some viewership and what better way than to give us a bone but then keep it going for a while make them smooch Make them smooch. <laughs> Give the people what they want to see. Something. Bring, in, bring in the smooching. Come on. I think, uh, I think there are two things that uh, keeping oh, Jim and oh, Pam, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that, that keeping their arc separate kind of does is it lends extra weight to a couple of my, uh, quotes from Michael. Number one on Booze Cruise, where he says to Jim. I just going to say that, yeah. Uh, never, ever give up. Um, and he says, big deal. Uh, engaged ain't married. Right. And he gives yeah. Jim that little bit of hope. And BFD. then I think it's at the beginning of BFT. That's what I was trying to think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and at the beginning of season three, where Jim is looking at an empty chair, or maybe Pam is looking at an empty chair, Michael says something to the effect of when two people are uh, per- good for each other, what should keep them apart? Mm. And there's a level of, um, of realizing how far apart Jim and Pam really are. And the other thing that I think, uh, to your point, Pam and Jim develop more separately in different places and when they come back together it's that much more fulfilling but i think um there's that scene where um i want to say it's during the negotiation in season three where roy comes in and attacks jim and is subdued by dwight and then later he and pam are having this sort of last conversation um and she said and roy says to pam you're not even going to try to date him right you called off your you called off our wedding for the guy and she says, well, there are a lot of reasons, which I think is really important to Pam's development, that she's not just at the whim of Jim, basically, that she's her own person and her own character and should be allowed no to No Jim whim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Snap into a whim, Jim. I, <laughs> I also, you mentioned Booze Cruise, and I was going to say, this feels like a sister episode to Booze Cruise, or a resolve, it resolves Booze Cruise, mm-hmm. because the moment... The mo- you got to think the moment when Jim decides there's no future for him in Scranton is the moment that they commit to their wedding date, Roy and Pam do, on Booze Cruise. And we see Jim with a thousand-yard stare. He breaks up with Katie. He has the talk with Michael. I mean, all that sort of comes to blossom here. He does take Michael's advice. He takes one last – he doesn't give up one last time and tells her. And then he's gone, you know. And um, and so, yeah, it seems the seeds were planted earlier in the season, and, and that's what makes this episode just – I mean – just an all-timer. It's really crazy. And, I mean, the other thing Michael says, too, in Booze Cruise is that dancing is a primal art form used in ancient times <laughs> with the body and communicate. Yes. So it's all good stuff. <laughs> um, just that I, one guy playing the bass line from Get Busy by Sean Paul. What am I saying? <laughs> Sometimes you have to be the boss of dancing. <laughs> yeah. What what other takeaways? What other hot takes? What other favorite moments do you have oh, from Casino Night? Here's a hot take. Uh, Jim and Pam's kiss is the second most sexually charged moment in the episode. The first? Dwight kisses Angela. She slaps him. In that moment, when they're at the table and we see Angela oh, yes. walk away, and Angela's grinning, and Dwight has a look on his face. He's been slapped, and he's kind of like, 
Yeah. <laughs> it, oh, it's bubbling. It is such a hectic moment. It happens so fast. It's yeah. this whirlwind. And Dwight's in the middle of throwing at roulette or at craft. And he's like, give me the dice. Come on. Yeah. And he's just yeah. full of vigor in that moment. And, yeah. and Angela's into it. Dwight's into it. He's having a great night. He's get, He's helping yeah. Michael with his two women. <laughs> that's that's my hottest take from that is, is that's, that's the second most good one. sexually charged moment. Um, this is a great episode for Kevin Malone. I was going to say, yes, I agree. What a, st- like, I mean, really rewatching it, it's like, first of all, it's it's the most well-rounded you ever see Kevin. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, we learned that he's in a band. We learned that he went to some poker championship. The World Series of Poker. What a bracelet. The, the, yeah, he's not as, maybe he's not as dumb as we thought he was, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um uh why use many word when a few word do tricks right (laughs) we also Um, find out he's a drummer i so a couple of things about that i heard that um that they picked scrantonicity or they wanted kevin's band to be a police uh cover band Mm -hmm. because kevin talks low and slow and police sing high and fast so (laughs) that's why they want (laughs) very good uh there's also um, i should have had him do a bon jovi cover band in that case (laughs) (laughs) brian baumgartner couldn't play an instrument so that's why they made him a drummer and they thought it was hilarious that he he's a lead singing drummer which you know there are some great lead singer drummers bill collins shout out to levon helm my 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 guy i think uh yes to your point i think this is the smartest we see kevin portrayed in, this totally. poker. in, in, in that one fleeting <laughs> moment where he talks about winning a poker bracelet and then cut honestly to, he's just wearing gla- he's just wearing glasses low <laughs> on his nose that's what uh, we're really talking about uh the jim halpert ladies and gentlemen moment feels that a little a, more self-aware that's a very yeah that, he's that's a brian bob gartner line yeah for not sure. a kevin malone line yeah i also think the the joke that he has in the in the conference room is a part of a talking head is a very perfect encapsulation of a Kevin joke from early in the season, which is he says, I'll probably donate it to something with animals mm. or people. <laughs> it's a it's a very, very good Kevin joke. It's a real d- double fudge Angela moment. It doesn't play him as it's a it plays him as, as a stupid character, but not in the same over-the-top way that it does at the end of the show. It's just the way that he says it. Less than yeah. yeah. It makes him, it doesn't make him at all unlikable. It makes him much more likable, you know, yeah, it's even like, though it's like, yeah. It reminds me of when he thinks I got the foot bath for myself. It's that, it's yeah. that kind of a moment. Maybe, Maybe I should have taken, should have the, taken iPod. the iPod. Oh, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's Kevin being Kevin as yeah. opposed to the most the very un- cartoonish. <laughs> the most unthreatening member of the office. <laughs> yes. Kevin Malone. Um, uh, Edwin? I, I love the, um, I think this is a funny episode for Creed where he just talks about how much he loves stealing. Um, I also, this is one of my favorite Bob Vance moments. I love little audio bits in the show. Oh, I hope you're going to say what I think. He says, the Knights chip leader and the winner. Yes, yes. I noticed <laughs> that. Was beautiful. The oh, winner. Beautiful. Yeah. Just like, the way he says, the winner. I, lo- I love it. Provided yeah. by Vance. I love the way Phyllis lights up when Michael says that the winner's going to get a mini fridge early on in the episode. Mm-hmm. Phyllis really lights up. Um, yeah. Oh, I got all the clovers. Yeah. Creed just being like, honestly, I just love stealing. 
<laughs> I, I love Steely. I, I think I brought up in trivia before, but that poker hand, Kevin, Kevin plays it right. Three queens. But, uh, he got he has three of a kind with queens, mm-hmm. pocket queens. It's the right time, but yeah. Phyllis, the accidental flush, she, which which she, happens sometimes. She, all clovers. All yeah. clovers. <laughs> How funny that Kevin and Michael have the same hand, two queens. Hey. Oh. I have a couple other couple little notes from this one. Um I don't think the mind control prank it doesn't age that well. It's just kind of like, come on. Like I, I Dwight, at this point, Dwight's a bit of a different character, but I get it because Dwight's so eager to believe that magic exists or like telepathy would exist. That he's, but it's like, dude, come on, Jim has been pranking you forever. He doesn't, he just not controls mine. Uh, also, Roy has to really, Roy has to be talked into going into a casino night at his own warehouse. Like when he when he's trying like to get Pam to not go, and he's like, like you're gonna, why? Because it's not an open bar. Like, come on, bro. Like this Hooters is catering. Hooters this is, is Roy's. Catering. This is Roy's thing. He doesn't want to participate. If you're yeah, gonna be doesn't. my boyfriend, he... yeah. Uh, you got to do boyfriend things. He didn't want to hang out at Chili's. Kelly's quote about Kobe reminded me. This is like height of the Kobe scandal. That yeah. was kind of like a oh wow, man, what a crazy time. Um, Jim has a big quote in this episode that goes totally under the radar when they're watching the wedding tapes, and he's talking about oh. how they're all like. These guys didn't give up on their dreams. You know, you have to watch all of these and then it'll probably all be terrible, but that will make me feel better about not having dreams. And then she's yeah. like, there's a kiss cover band and they just kind of move on. But it's this line Jim says that's really like kind mm. of at the heart of his character for a long time. He has sort of, no dreams. That he has no dreams and he can't stand that about himself. But he does. Eventually. He does have dreams. He, he wants to be with Pam, but he can't, he can't, uh, he he can't acknowledge to- it. He wants to start a company called Athlete. <laughs> no, that's that's a great line, Alex. I noticed that too. I thought that was, it's almost a throwaway line, but I it know. really contains a lot of meaning and it says a lot about Jim in the early seasons. I think um, the other note or forgotten joke that I had was when Michael does his Lady Luck um, presentation. Well, I love yeah. that he, he throws the little snappers on the ground and then has to tell Dwight. <laughs> and, then, and then at the end he sits down and he goes shuffle up he goes let's get it started the black-eyed crows <laughs> is a, just a joke that i'd forgotten about the black-eyed peas like yeah yeah oh my gosh black-eyed crows um, um sorry i have one last sticky note here that i that it just bugs me this has always bugged me about this episode when he loses to toby they flip their cards they never play that hand out there's no cards put down the dealer gives all the chips to Toby and not a single card is put on the table. So unless Michael went all in, Toby went all in and Michael folded, which is ridiculous. It's like, you got to see the flop there. Anyway, that just, it's just basic stuff that bugs me. Anyway, whatever. Then Michael busts at craps right after that. How much money do you think Michael lost in this episode? <laughs> and who knows? All the money in his shoe, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and then my last other favorite line from this episode is, the Jan and Jim conversation. Yeah, why did you hook up with Michael? It was very late, Jim. Very, very late. Like that's the only, <laughs> that's the only reason she gives. For he up nailed Michael. the sale, man. Yeah. He nailed the sale with Tim Meadows. It was hot. <laughs> um, Edwin, what about you? Any, any final thoughts on Casino Night before we move on to our conference room and trivia? 
No, I think uh, this is, as we mentioned at the beginning, this is one of the more important episodes of the entire show. I think we really nailed down or were able to talk a lot more about how that Jim and Pam gambling scene right before the dramatic uh, reveal from Jim really sets it up. And I think looking back on this episode, that was my big takeaway is, is the metaphor of gambling, um, this idea of going all in, um, and the way that it sets up Jim and Pam's sort of relationship for the rest of the show. This is a, a highlight signature, iconic moment in the entire run of The Office. Jim is, Jim is a, a pair of queens in the hand, and Roy is a flush in the bush. <laughs> well said, Alex. And that, uh, that wraps up our episode on Casino Night. Moving on to a little conference room. Five minutes. Okay, everybody, listen up. If you are not in that conference room in two minutes, I am going to kill you. For conference room this week, this question comes from Leah on Instagram, and she says, uh, let's see. Hello, Michael Scott Podcast Company. First of all, I love the podcast. Uh, always makes me laugh and smile. Thank you very much. Uh, and she says, I have an unpopular opinion, and I wanted to hear how you guys feel about this. I think that Andy should have never broken up with Jessica to be with Aaron. So what do you guys think? <laughs> Jessica. Wait, does she back it up? Is that it? No, that's just, that's all it is. Just Okay. I, um... Hmm. God, it's it's I, hard to even think well, about after talking about Jim and Pam so much. Um, uh, yeah, I guess I agree because um, things did not work out with Aaron. He did a horrible job with that relationship. Kind of seems like he could have uh, stayed with uh, stayed with Jessica and um, impressed his parents and all these other things, and maybe he would not have turned out to be um, such a uh, such a prick. In those yeah. Episodes. Yeah. Stay with After Jessica. That. Stay with Jessica. Don't waste Aaron's time. She's a yeah. she's she's an angel. Don't don't even go near her. Jessica falls into a category of characters who were made to not really root for on the office, even though they don't really do anything wrong. She hasn't done anything her, wrong. Karen Filippelli. I feel like there are a couple others. Roy a um, little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, Roy they Roy they portray as being guess, not yeah. perfect for Pam or. You know, I guess Roy tries to assault Jim. Yeah, that's true. Jim. That's true. And, <laughs> and he destroyed that bar with Kenny. With a sock mm. full of nickels. Yeah. Hear that DUI? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, thinking about this question, I, I thought... This is, this is for the YouTube. Let's all do our impression of Roy's mugshot. <laughs> that's a great thumbnail right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think it's interesting that season six and season seven, Andy and Aaron is such a fun dynamic because they're both so oblivious and they play it all so wrong mm -hmm. trying to get together. Mm -hmm. um, and they're so like sweet and well-meaning, but completely naive and they have no idea what they're doing. Um, and it's nice to see them finally get together in season seven. Andy, of course, uh, is not dating Aaron. Aaron is dating Gabe and you root for them to come back together. Mm -hmm. um, however, and in season eight, we do see Andy and Aaron and, Eventually, Andy does break up with Jessica and goes down to Tallahassee to get Aaron. But I think the versions of Andy and Aaron that follow that uh, clearly aren't meant to be together and don't work out. And their characters progress in a way that makes them very um, incongruent with the characters from season six and season seven, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. In terms of yeah. season six, if we got season six and season seven, Aaron and Andy, they should for sure be together. Season eight and season nine, Andy, Clearly should should not be together. <laughs> Post outward bound Andy is the terrible mm -hmm. person. Um, <laughs> Rafe and Feather really got mm -hmm. to him. 
Leah, I still want to hear your argument for this. So you should respond um, so that we can talk about it. I, I always love an unpopular opinion. Uh, <laughs> Contrary. So, uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, thank you for sending that in. I mean, I think Jessica stands out as a very nice, normal person. It, w- it would make sense for Andy. She's, to, yeah, she's yeah. Right. And Andy seems to be a good version of himself when he's with her. But anyway, uh, let's move on to the next question. So this question comes from Melanie via Instagram, and she mentions uh, in season eight, the episode is Mrs. California. Uh, she says, in the episode of Mrs. California, Susan comes to get a job and Andy is panicking about uh, not hiring her. After the cat that is, oh, excuse me. After the cat is out of the bag that is due to Robert not wanting her there, Andy is asked by Robert to leave the conference room. The last scene of the episode is Andy walking out to his car and Susan stops him and apologizes for being put in that situation, to which Andy tells her that they're all, they all really wanted her to work there, especially. And uh, at the end, she says, it's a date. Right. So uh, anyone else think this was kind of a wasted opportunity to not do some kind of episode where Andy gets together with Susan to get back at Robert California? That would be that would uh, For be giving Nelly his job. Totally. That's what a great thing to bring up because uh i love that moment where i love that like oh what (laughs) like uh Mm -hmm. moment from andy um that he didn't see that coming it it could be so funny that she's really aggressive about the um affair and like he can't like just like you know he can't like tell her no because then that'll make her mad and like and then him having to try and like do this balancing act that would have been hilarious. I would love to see. It would have been great. And I, I, I almost thought they would. I mean, um, uh, Maura Tierney, I was looking up that actress. Oh, yeah. plays Like, she's a really good actress. She's been in a ton of stuff. Like, she's... I know, we you could think, have like, seen more of her. Oh, they're bringing her in. She's probably going to be around for a while. But uh, I agree. That would have been a rich comedy ground. Just seeing... Rich. Just watching Robert California realize his wife's cheating on him with Andy, of all people would be such a special moment just to see how Robert California would deal with that. Um, probably not well, but I would have liked to have seen it. Yeah, I think uh, it's funny rewatching that episode, the extent to which uh, it's just a little period on an episode that is entirely characterized by not knowing what the other person is really thinking. Mm-hmm. The whole episode is back and forth about whether or not Andy should be honest or not, or keep right. up the lie or keep up the charade. Mm-hmm. Um, intercut with Jim trying to escape, which is pretty funny. Um, what if they I, took it? What if they took it so far that it was just like Robert was accepting of their affair? <laughs> it could get so weird. Yeah, it, this, it makes me this think just of when got uh, vastly more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. <laughs> uh, it makes me think of oh, when uh, <laughs> sex and all sex is competition. I'm not going to do them all. <laughs> it makes me think of when uh, Robert says to Andy, Andrew, what do we have to do to get rid of you? <laughs> He's wearing the visitor's badge and making Cherry's Jubilee. <laughs> oh you clear- uh, turf war, yeah. You clearly want the basil plant. <laughs> <laughs> could have sworn you said the marmalade. Um, <laughs> well, um, thank now, you. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, or Oh, uh, no, you go ahead, bud. Oh, I've got one last thing, but yes, I guess first, thank you, Melanie, for sending in that question. I think it's yeah, a really, thank you, it's, Melanie. A, it's, it's fun to think of how that could be explored. Uh, and it's always fun to think about how 
what would Robert do? You know, you don't want to poke the bear, or in this case, the lizard king. No, you don't. Um, but and one last have, thing. Oh yeah, go ahead. No, I was just saying we've you guys have been we have a lot of questions. We've got a couple of mailbags worth of episodes of questions. So um, doing one soon. Yeah, send them in. We'll we'll get to them. We'll get to them eventually. And mm-hmm. we have so many that we try and get to them as they're relevant to whatever episode we're doing. So so stick around. Yes, absolutely. Uh, one little last thing that I want to mention. Uh, because talking about season eight and talking about Casino Night, uh, I wanted to mention something that Justin on Facebook sent to us, which is a little Easter egg that in season two. Uh, episode 22, Casino Night, Michael is talking about how the Lincoln assassination just became funny. I right. need to see this yeah. guy like I need a hole in the right. head. Right. Yeah. And in the season eight episode, Gettysburg, where Gabe plays Lincoln, yeah. says about Mary Todd Lincoln, I need her <laughs> like I need a hole in the head. <laughs> so, they stole the joke. Such a funny they little- They stole the uh, joke from themselves. Funny little Easter egg there, but yeah. It's good. It's a good one. Uh, it's time for some trivia. Let's just do our thing, collect our hardware, and get the hell home. Okay, so this trivia comes from Tessa on Instagram. Um, and I shuffled the questions a little bit, so we'll, we'll go uh, from the easiest uh, to more difficult as we progress. Um, so some of these will, will start pretty easy, and then they'll get pretty difficult. So the first Sounds one. great. Uh, what is Todd Packer's license plate? W- uh, well hung. Oh, well hung. Yeah. Big William Hung fan? Mm-hmm. Yes. Who is that? Uh, <laughs> uh, second question is what is Ryan's middle name? Oh, oh, I know that I've asked this on trivia before. Fans of the show will remember that I did middle name trivia during our Ryan's yeah. retreat series. Wow, it's like not <laughs> a traditionally male name, right? It's like a. I feel like it's a different. It's the name of a popular liqueur. <laughs> Ryan Jägermeister. Perhaps Howard. an Irish liqueur. <laughs> Bailey. Ryan Bailey Howard. <laughs> yeah. Correct, sir. Ryan Bailey nice. Howard. Nice. Uh, this has been a trivia question a couple times. What is Benjamin Franklin's real name? Uh, oh, oh, Gordon. Andy Daly? Oh. Both correct. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow both right. Yeah. Gordon is, yeah. is the real... Andy Daly is the actor. Yeah. <laughs> no one, when I go Both back to watch... too. <laughs> when I go back to watch old movies and TV show and comedy from the past 20 years, no one appears more, and I'm like, oh, it's Andy Daly. Yeah, <laughs> Andy oh Daly. my gosh. In bit parts, as doctors or hosts or, yeah, yeah. You can't repress his, his just jubilance and energy. It's, Did you ever good. watch his show where, like, Review, review. Yes, I review. so good. I drank a up great, review. It's so it's good. Great. It the is, original one is good too. Hey, for this Corona quarantine, it's not very long. I think it's. I think it was only ever two seasons. Give, give it a watch if you enjoy mm-hmm. Andy Daly. I would also highly recommend, highly recommend the uh, the episode of the Conan O'Brien podcast where he has Andy Daly on. And Andy Daly oh, yeah. does some yeah. characters. It's very very good. Wow, he's very topical for the. Mm-hmm. Corona quarantine. All right, moving uh, on. Next question. Isabel, what is Isabel's job? She's a dental hygienist. Correct. And she makes love like one. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember, bonus trivia, do you remember where? She's a dental hygienist from- Carbondale. Blank. Correct, nicely done, sir. Okay. They do not city. have yams at the, carbon, at the gas station <laughs> in Carbondale. <laughs> really, because they always have yams. Uh, what is Andy's guitar name? Oh. Blank and I would like to play you one last song. It's not Mabel. 
Or like. No. That's a good like, guess. I feel like it's an old timey name. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Louisa or like. <laughs> You're in the zone, I think. Uh, it's not Luann. No. You've got no, the that's right. BB, that's BB King's the, guitar. The right first Lucille letter. is BB King's guitar. Lucille, yeah. Uh, it is Lucille? No. No, Lucille is BB King. Yeah. Yeah. Lucille, oh. too. <laughs> <laughs> A piano can stand uh, on those legs. Can, can I get the first letter? L. It is <laughs> I told L. You. Oh, you did. Oh, I was uh, trying to tell you. Ah, <laughs> uh, Llewellyn. I give up. What is it? Lorelei. Uh, I knew that. Okay, this is where it gets kind of tough here. Let's see. Uh, when uh, when Karen moves to Scranton, what room number and hotel does she stay in? Three twenty three. <laughs> no, no clue. I don't know. Uh, the days in room two twenty eight. Oh, the days in though. I could. Yeah. Okay. Where she talks about moving in with, next to Jim. Yep. So it's mm-hmm. it's in a quote. Mm-hmm. So yes, yeah. definitely, definitely. Uh, this one is tough. Let's see. So the question. Okay. So the question is what does Michael prefer the summer or winter Olympics, but it's really what Olympics do Michael and D'Angelo prefer together? I think they say summer. Yeah. They both say summer. That's yeah. 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 Cause everyone, everyone says summer. They say it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it's one of them, one of the uh, moments in their evolving friendship. I guess that wasn't. Did that just uh, happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. When Dwight shot a gun in the office, what did Andy's tie look like? This is also in a quote. Wow. Uh, so. Oh yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. That's right. Uh, I don't know. Aaron or it, Dwight is trying to set up. So a gun was fired, and Stanley says, "We all saw you do it." He says, really, Stanley? What gun was I, or what hand was I holding the gun in? What did Andy's tie look like? And Aaron yeah. types up and says, navy blue, little red anchors. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a Beaumont? A Beaumont, Beaumont Adams. Beaumont Adams. It's a girl's gun. It's a gun. girl's gun. Yeah. Why would you put a banana in your holster? Well, if you weren't hungry now, but you got hungry later. <laughs> um, and then the last one. So uh, when. Banana so the, holsters. Good trivia team name. Or banana oh, slings. Or banana That's slings. The name of the, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this episode is when Pam goes to interview at the real estate company in Philly. Right. Uh, played by Bob Odenkirk. What yep. poster does the does the real estate manager have hanging above his desk? Oh, is it one of those motivation ones? It's a movie poster. That's oh, a movie poster. Oh. And Jim and Pam are talking about the interview over dinner. I don't know. Just Die Hard. Poster he had. Uh, the Naked Gun. Pam <laughs> guesses Austin Powers, I think. But oh. airplane? No, the Did answer it. is The Odd Life of Timothy Green. Oh, I would not have gotten that. <laughs> I don't even think I know what that is. <laughs> it's a Disney movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much um, yes. for sending in that trivia. Yeah, uh, it's that, awesome. Uh, we we love it when we listeners send it yeah. in trivia. You can uh, send in trivia to us anytime or questions. Like we like Alex was saying, we got a mailbag coming up soon. Give us a call. Uh, we have a phone number, 503-694-9314. We have an email address, mspodcastcompany at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Instagram, Michael Scott Podcast Company. 
We're on Twitter at Michael Scott Pod, and we have a website, michaelscottpod.com. Special thanks to Ryan Lloyd, who help, who helps us with our social media and designs all of our artwork. Uh, this episode was recorded in Portland, Oregon, from our respective homes. Yeah, thank you, thank you as always for listening. We we love and appreciate everyone who listens, interacts, rocks with us. Uh, and uh, yeah, just take care of yourself. Be healthy. Stay safe. Have a great day. Keep watching The Office, y'all. Pippity poppy, give me this up. Yes, sir. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.